What's up, everybody? This is the betrayed, the addicted, and the expert. My name is Brandon, and I am the expert. And I'm Ashlyn, and I was the betrayed. And I'm Kobe, the recovering addict. What you're gonna get is three unique perspectives on recovery and tools for hope and healing. Okay, so we are talking about something that's kind of sensitive today. Yep. And a topic that can bring up some things that are kind of taboo and uh, can, can maybe make you uncomfortable as we talk today. So hopefully we make you a little bit uncomfortable. Let's hope um, so. So, oh, sorry, Kobe, First, jump though, ahead. We're gonna, before we get Read into that review. really nice yes. and comfortable, now we've teed that up, we're going to make you wait. <laughs> sorry, totally. Give you some time to think if you want to keep listening. I know, right? Do I, do I not? We're going to go ahead it's and read a review. And honestly, you guys, um, we're really thankful for the reviews that you guys leave. The, the support is super helpful because honestly, just never... I don't know. We get we we hole up in this room, and we just don't really kind of consider the I don't know the depth and the breadth of what the reach is for this. Your reviews help us extend the reach of this podcast, so we're just really thankful for what you guys do. So please leave us a review if you can. Uh, I'm going to read one right now. What I found to be so helpful is the example of a healing and recovering couple in real time. As my husband and I pulled out of the trauma and triage of discovery. As our lives started to change, we were desperate for connection with other couples, healing, working through the hard stuff like we were. We've loved hearing the podcast and are encouraged by every episode you guys talk about. We love you all. Awesome. That's really nice. Yeah, super nice. Totally appreciate that. So um, obviously there's something that's relatable, I guess. Yeah, that's good. In, in what we share, but uh, that's that's a really and sweet... And that, po- that part of connection, that is the... The capstone of of recovery. The best part. Yep. Cool. All right, let's get awkward. Let's (laughs) get uncomfortable. (laughs) Let's get super awkward. I'm good uh, at that. That's what I like to do. And I've I've lived in that space for a long time, so I'll be able to give some really good insights to all of you who are listening. So we're talking um, about lust today, but we're talking about some specifics about what lust is. So um, what does it mean to objectify a human being? To objectify a woman? To objectify a man? Um, and and the part that we want to talk about is one, what does it mean to objectify? But also this over anxiety or almost OCD around whether or not you are lusting or objectifying because we hear that all the time. Yeah, and we'll give you some examples so you know what we're talking about. So, um, but first off, objectification of a human, like what does that even mean? What do you guys think? Well, I'll speak from my perspective and, and where I was, and then as you can share yours, um, the objectification would really just be um, lusting after someone for my own sexual gratification, and in the process, I would completely deny that human being of their humanity. Okay, so we had an episode. I don't know what number it is. What is lust? Right. But but I want to ask that question right here. What is lust? When you say lusting after somebody for your own selfish needs or whatever mm-hmm. what is lust fantasy yeah okay yeah so you guys hit the two things that that make up lust it's uh it's a it's a fantasy that separates you from reality uh-huh. that is selfish right so when you're doing that you're lusting okay and so um i i used to lust a lot then if that's the definition of it that's for sure right so you're separating from reality and and so what does that mean when you look at somebody and you think, whoa, they're there just for my own selfish gratification to use them for what I want to use them for, yeah, um, sexually or otherwise. You're lusting, right? So, okay, 
So, but this is where it gets tricky, and it's not. It's it seems clear cut as we're talking about it right now. Right. It's not that clear cut because guys go to the beach, they go to Disneyland, they go to um, wherever, and couples can really struggle. They, I, I've worked with couples who have gone out on dates and they're sitting at the restaurant and sure. they can hardly stand it because the waitress is so good looking um, that they can't hardly have a dinner that they enjoy, right? Can't well, engage and I think in the conversation. There's two different conversations in their heads going on. A lot of assuming yeah, and judgment on the other person yep. and probably a lot of anxiety. Of Fear, what, yeah. right? Yeah. That, that's exactly what's happening. So... Um, is lust happening or is it just fear and anxiety, right? If there's a beautiful person in front of them, um, the couple starts to disconnect. Maybe they start to fight. They they can't stay in that place because it's so uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's a really hard way to live because Man. we're around beautiful people all the time. People are beautiful, right? right. And, um, and so that's a really hard way to live because those triggers are so there all the time. Um, we need to get clear about what objectifying somebody actually is. So if let's use this example of, of a waitress who's, who's beautiful. Okay. She comes and she's going to serve you your drinks or whatever. Mm -hmm. And both you and your spouse recognize that's a beautiful woman. Okay. Are you objectifying her? No, that's human. Okay. Just noticing striking features, noticing beauty. That would be no different than like noticing a beautiful sunset. Okay, you're n- you're noticing her chest as beautiful, Kobe. Okay, just yeah, like I'm trying I would to get just, awkward. Just, no, <laughs> and, and that you're is a fair, a beautiful chest, Kobe. Okay, so what do you do with well, that? Well, I wouldn't actually put those two together to describe a, a woman's chest as beautiful unless it's Ashlyn's. And, and Ashlyn's <laughs> shaking her oh head. Good answer, but, Kobe. But, but in truth, though, okay, that is true, and that is a good answer. <laughs> that's the right answer, but that's also my answer. But here's here's what's important to note is I can notice whether or not a Subaru Legacy has the the eye camera f- safety features on the, in the windshield. Okay. In and just glancing at the vehicle. Just like I can notice the symbol of a car on the front grille. Okay? okay. I can also just at a glance, not like staring at So you're at attracted it. to certain things is what you're saying. Correct. Okay. My eyes are drawn to certain things on cars for dogs example and, cars. and dogs, <laughs> etc., right? But but is it also I don't know possible? what's attractive about a whipping, but <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's, it's, all the, it's all about the temperament. <laughs> it's all about the temperament, right? But but in truth, though, I can uh, we can go to dinner. Ashley, I can go to a dinner, and we can have a server who has striking features, and I can notice that maybe she has a large chest. I can notice that just like I notice Ashlyn has blonde hair, like you have a beard, like a car has a symbol on its grill, okay. and then not look nor define it as being beautiful. Okay. It's or, just I noticed that part of just like you would notice the nose in my face. Okay, but let's let's take it a step further. What if you do? What if she, what if she's flaunting it, and you notice her chest as beautiful? I think. That's Are a, you objectifying a, her? So when he, do you cross this line? I know. So here's my answer. When I we've been in the mall before, where there's a girl walking in front of us, and her booty's hanging out of her shorts. Like this legit really happened. We've talked about this. Yeah. Before. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. <laughs> it's really hard not to see that. Right. And so when it's happened to us, we look and that's human. Right. She's obviously wanting someone to look at her booty. Yeah. Right. And we look away and we kind of have giggled about it and 
because right. we can now, but had we gone to a place, I can absolutely see us in a place in the past where I would be mad and right. I wouldn't say anything. Right. And I would treat Kobe all of a sudden different. Right. And he maybe in his own head, maybe fantasizing. I don't know. Who knows? Would respond to. I make a lot of judgments Ashland's against emotions. him of what he's thinking totally. or wanting. Well, think about what happens if. Okay, this wait with this waitress comes up wearing hardly anything, uh-huh. um, and and the wife says to her husband, "I know, I know what you're looking at, or what are you looking at?" And he right. says, "What? <laughs> what? Then what? What's going to happen?" Then that's the instant. It, it, that's that's the instant fight because he's not taking responsibility for noticing the obvious. Which right. means I'm in denial, which means what you think is happening isn't really happening. Well, but they're that's exactly probably scared. What's happening? Like, I don't want to get in trouble. He's scared. Right? right? To be yeah. sure. And she's triggered. Yes. Right? And so dinner's gone sideways already. So what's the right answer here? If one waitress walks up to your, your table and is serving you water mm-hmm. and it, dinner's gone sideways. Mm-hmm. So what, what, how can you handle this? I mean. It's tricky. H- how do the, you handle this? For me, I, I always say honesty is the best. And it may continue to have an awkward dinner, but if he knows that I feel uncomfortable or if I'm feeling triggered, mm-hmm. he can at least be in a place where he can choose honesty Absolutely. and say, you know what? I'm sorry you're, that you're there and I can understand and have empathy, but be honest with me and say, I'm, I'm not also, there or whatever he's dealing with. Yes. Like I can say, I'm super uncomfortable now and I'm really concerned because this busty server is here and all of a sudden that's like the awkward elephant in the room, the awkward conversation right. that we now have to tiptoe around dinner about. Right. And so I'm in I'm I'm in shame and I'm feeling super awkward. Probably like you're feeling awkward and feeling some shame and so this is gonna be really hard right. to have dinner like right. this. So so own it. Right? Don't be honest about it. Like yeah. Yeah, we both noticed that. That's pretty mm-hmm. obvious. So, so what you're recommending right. is, is is if is if a guy's in a situation with his partner, and they notice someone with striking features, and the partner says to him, or to her, I guess, says to them, "Did you just notice that? Are you looking?" Be honest. Then, th- th- then that's the answer, right? What you're saying is like, be honest. Like, yes, I saw that, and I've noticed it. And I think what's also important to to identify is is not just I noticed it, yes, but it's like, what's the effect? Right. Right? Oh, sweet. Now I'm going to be really uncomfortable. Or? Yeah. Right? Well, this but, is going to be a I hard, would, a hard I would dinner. say own kind of the effect for yourself, but own the effect for her as well. Like, go to totally that empathy good, huh? place of, totally. you know, like, yeah, that's, yeah, of course I noticed that, honey. And, you know, I, I can tell that it's it's probably triggering for you and yeah. hard. Like, I want to reassure you I'm not lusting mm-hmm. after her. Um, I'm not objectifying her. I'm with you right now. Yeah. You're my you're my spouse, you're my partner. I'm here on a date with you. Yeah. And if you want to leave because of this, I'm open to that. I don't feel like I need to because but you got to be honest. If you actually are lusting and you can't focus on your wife and she's accusing you of this, then you got to you got to deal with that trigger to and maybe sure. you do need to leave. To be sure. Right? I think there's there's so, like la- this is like an onion, a big fat onion actually of 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 um layers. And so what I'm thinking in that moment is, is, is from, from the dude's perspective, there's two different ways that he could be hijacked. And one is simply just by lust. Right. And just lo- like sure. he leaves the dinner table, he, like he's there, but he's not present. 
right. because he's lost in fantasy right. about about the server. In which case he's hijacked. Right. Okay. But another by way lust. by lust yeah. exactly. But another way that he could be hijacked is by the anxiety of the situation. Yes. And 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 just which is to, just as common as and, being hijacked by the lust. And and the shame levels are going to be just as high. And the anxiety is going to be even higher with the latter. But I, but I want to point out for, for those of you who are the betrayed who are listening, it's really important to understand is that it's possible for your partner to be hijacked by the anxiety of the situation, but still not be in lust. Yes. But I will tell you, as the betrayed, it's really hard to know the difference. Totally. Yes. But it, so it looks like he's hijacked by It looks lust. the totally. same. Because he and looks guilty. That's where the honesty comes in. Yes. And the connecting and choosing that instead of living in your head. Super, 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 but, super great But point. what that takes is complete and total shame resiliency to turn right toward it and say, this is what's going on with me. This yeah. is where I'm at, right? Because when he, start, when he starts shame screening, he looks guilty. Mm-hmm. And when he looks guilty, the assumption of the betrayed is almost automatically, well, he's guilty. He's betraying me, right? Yeah. Right? He's hurting me. And the anxiety, like the ang- the anxiety that, that he's that he's feeling the shame that he's in has energy that can go right across that table. Right. Because all the betrayed has to do is just notice the nonverbals and it's like done. Yep. That's it. So, I you know, so complex. Yeah. I've heard from guys so often that, you know, they, they say what's worse than my addiction is my fear that I'm bad and I'm constantly feeling bad because everywhere I go, I'm attracted to women and I shouldn't be. Yeah. Right. And uh, the, the reality is, is they lusting after other women if they're married is not is not a good thing. Totally. Right? They're not being faithful to their wife, being attracted to other women after they're married is is being human right mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and so there's this space that's that's uh important for any married couple to understand which is a space of loving the person for who they are and who they are sexually which means they're sexually attracted to to people they mm-hmm. have an arousal template yeah and that doesn't just shut off when you get married um it doesn't just change when you get married that arousal template is still there mm-hmm. But being faithful in your marriage is understanding, hey, I have that arousal template. Do you guys know what I mean by that? Mm -hmm. I I have these things that I'm attracted to, but I'm not going to act upon them because I'm faithful to my spouse who I've committed to to give my sexuality to. Yeah. Right? Man, that was so well said. Did you hear that, Ashlyn? That was rad. So so the the shame around um, who you are sexually is what drives addiction in so many ways. Sex equals shame. So if I go to Disneyland and there's scantily clad women walking around Disneyland and the whole day I'm spending it thinking I'm a horrible guy because I'm attracted to these women, then then eventually it's going to beat me down in my shame and lead to more acting out because I feel so horrible in my life, right? Um, As opposed to accepting myself for who I am. And so you can accept yourself for who you are, and still be sexual. Which is how, again, not just who you are, but that's how God made you. Yeah, and not lust. So, like, coming back to this waitress example, she has a beautiful chest. I actually think it's healthy for a guy to think, well, she has a beautiful chest. If she does, right? Mm-hmm. But it, but it, you don't cling to that. You don't entertain it. Mm-hmm. You don't let it go to fantasy. It it comes and it goes. Like, oh, yeah, well, I'm attracted to to her. Yeah. Right. 
and she's she's also a human being and she's here to serve me my water right right but that's there and i'm gonna let it go you're not lusting so if you notice her eyes if you notice her chest now there's certain parts that you notice it seems much more likely to lust after right Mm -hmm. you know if you notice her smile that's one thing if you notice her butt that's a different thing totally right but it's just noticing it and it's moving on. It's letting it go yes. and getting present again. Yes. Right? That's, so, that's a huge, huge, huge thing because the, the, the getting lost, getting hijacked, it's it, either way, no matter how you're hijacked, whether it's with anxiety about the fear of lust or lust itself, you're just not present. Right. That and sucks. that goes both sides, really. Both sides. Because you can absolutely both be not present on a date because of this. Yes. And, and, uh, I want to talk about that in a second, Ashton, cause that's really important. Um, but I was just saying before we started the podcast, you know, in a, in a perfectly healthy marriage with no betrayal trauma, mm-hmm. um, there's not anxiety, there's not fear, there's complete safety. Um, if let's say it was my marriage, which, which it's not, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> but, um, one or the other partners could say, Oh yeah, I was attracted to that. Or yeah, I see that. Or and the other person knows they're committed to me. They're safety. They're not, you know, they're not going to go in the bathroom later and masturbate because we had a, a, a waitress totally. that was beautiful. Um, they love me and they're going to get present with me, even though they're living in the real world and they're attracted to things that, that I say things. Mm-hmm. They're attracted to people, <laughs> right? And so, but I, I want to come back to what you said, Ashlyn. Um, you know, you're on a date or you're out in public and the betrayed can get just as hijacked in anxiety and fear as the addicted can. And um, just talk a little bit about about what you're talking about okay. and what that means. So an example, like you're at the pool and you're there with your family, possibly your kid, your kids and your spouse. And in front of you is a group of men and women playing volleyball or something. Where they're up in your, you know, their eye level and you're seeing everything. Right. Your kids are seeing it. Your spouse is seeing it. And in that moment, you can choose to, that's all you see. Right. And you worry about what is my husband thinking? Mm -hmm. What is he wanting? And my kids, what are they thinking? Right. And not be present enough to say, hey, guys. Let's move. Right. Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> like, right. let's get a new spot. Right. Because I'm so anxious and not here, you know? Right. So the the, the, the fears that I see that hijacked that, that you're talking about that make it so that you can't act effectively are um, comparison. That's one of the main ones is, you know, when a, when a woman, especially a woman who's been betrayed mm-hmm. and doesn't has some shame and doesn't feel like she's lovable or, or enough sexually or or just physically, um, you know, looks at another woman's body and starts to say, well, you know, she's just that way because of this, or, you know, she, who, and all of a sudden that woman, whoever's body she's looking at, doesn't become a daughter of God, doesn't become somebody with a soul. It becomes this woman who represents everything that she's not right. Everything she hates. I mean, I've, I've heard so many women, uh, that they despise beautiful women. Right. Because of what their spouse has done. And it breaks my heart because of that. Like we, these women, whoever you see, whether they're beautiful to you and not to someone else, like they're a human just like you. Right. They're likely not at that place to cause, 
you to feel that way. Right. Right. And who knows why they're dressing the way they are and what their background is. I definitely, I look at it and think I was raised to wear a certain type of clothing, right? But that doesn't mean the girl who's wearing the string bikini wasn't raised to wear that, you know, and that's normal to her. Right. And who knows where she's coming from. Right. Right. Um, and, And you know what? She's beautiful just as much as any woman is beautiful. Right. And, and so when you start comparing her just because she's skinny with big boobs and whatever, all of a sudden she doesn't become a, a human. You're objectifying that yeah. woman. Right. Um, the betrayed is objectifying that woman because she's comparing. And, 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 and so how do you overcome that? You, you work on your own stuff. Absolutely. Your own shame. Right? I think most listeners know that I wore a necklace that said um, enough forever. And then Kobe got me a bracelet that said beyond enough because – I would say, I don't know what you think, but like 90% of the women I talk to who've been betrayed, that is their number one struggle is I don't feel enough, whether it's physically, emotionally, anything, sexually. And so for me, I absolutely just had to focus on me, which sounds really selfish, but I I chose to start taking care of myself with self-care and educating myself, not so that I could look pretty for Kobe, because really, I don't know that I've changed a whole lot in the way I look for no, no. him. It's really just been the way I feel so you about can take myself. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. love yourself. Yeah. The, it, women are constantly bombarded with every day, everything they see is this is what you should be. Right. And this is what you're not. Right. And so it's very easy. And, and then all of a sudden you have a, a spouse who's who's cheated on you or acted outside the yeah. marriage. So it's compound just, that. It's just proof that. <laughs> What do you know? It's it's true. I'm not enough. I'm not right. okay. And to rise above that is really hard in our culture and really difficult. And so I think it's easy to go to that comparison all the time, which leads to objectifying. Objectifying and so much unhappiness. I'm, like the whole idea of looking at other people and and thinking negatively about them for the way they look or the, the way they have successes or happiness is not a fun way to live. I lived that way. Right. And it sucks. Right. It's not. And it does take a mind shift and it takes a lot of daily effort to choose to see the good in people and all around you. But no joke, it is a whole different way of living. Like, Absolutely. So much better. Absolutely. Um, one thing I want to say is that I, I worried for so long about going to the pool and what's Kobe looking at and what's he thinking when in reality, um, come to find out, and I didn't really find this out until probably a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. when he's saying... When I'm at the pool, Ashlyn, like I'm thinking of me, <laughs> like I'm really uncomfortable and I have a lot of body shame and guys are supposed to be big and muscly and, and I'm not, and <laughs> he's, obje- I'm he's objectifying the guys at the pool. Right. <laughs> Honestly though. But I was like, wait, what? Like in my head, I was assuming all of these uh, thoughts that he was having. Yeah. Right. And he was having, when totally in truth, I, was just, I was really just hijacked in body shame, which, so yeah. that another case in point, honesty. Yeah, yeah, and that kind of changed the conversation. But I think I think what that did though is it also helped facilitate um, the disarming of the whole notion that the pool was a place that we couldn't go because for fear of objectification or fear of lust. And in truth, like what's really really great now, going back to your statement to acknowledge striking features and to move on to the next thing, is the pool is a place where I'm totally cool. about, about going with. In fact, I hate the pool for only one reason, and that's because it's really bleeding hot and I'm super white and I'll get sunburned. 
but I don't have any fears or anxieties about going to the pool because of fe- for either lust or the fear of being caught in lust or the fear of lusting. And I think that's a, um, I don't know, Brandon, that's a byproduct of just working and being really focused. In fact, I have guys that, that have problems with slips and my, my soul, my soul piece of advice to them is to number one, make sure that they know the definition of, of lusting, which I have one that's very specific for me, but also just to say, look, when you go out, um, in fact, I work with a, I work with a pilot and I said, what, what's the most complicated and intensive part of flying for you? He's like landing. I said, okay. So when, when you're landing an aircraft, do you say to yourself, don't crash, don't crash, don't crash, right. don't crash. He's like, no. <laughs> said, well, I'm like, well, that's good because I'm sure everybody on board is going to appreciate that. Yeah, I was don't like, do that in the loudspeaker. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay, don't crash, don't crash, don't crash. But, but I said, what are you doing? What are you thinking? He's like, well, I've got you know, both my feet working pedals and I have both my hands working different, uh, you know, whatever they are. I don't know what they are. Different functions in the plane. I'm monitoring, you know, um, all kinds of like 10 different, 11 different things. So I'm like, so you're not thinking, don't crash. You're thinking about all, you're focusing on all the things you need to be able to do. It's like, yes. I said, that's the same objective you need to have when you go to wherever, the pool, Disneyland, I think that's a great uh, Walmart, because it's like, if I focus on don't, don't lust, don't lust, don't lust, don't look, right. even, even don't look, then I'm missing the boat entirely. In fact, I had a guy this week as well who said, man, I walked through the grocery store and I just put my head down and I just wanted to watch the floor. I was like, no, 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 that, that's not it either. You're, you're missing the boat too. Like, that's not how to live life. That's going right. to perpetuate more anxiety. Right. And so the objective is is to, to see people as people. Right. And be okay with them being people. But when you walk into a, into a, into a certain environment where you historically have felt anxiety, then just say, I'm going to focus. Right. I'm going to focus. I'm going to focus. Just repeat that over and over I'm going to focus on letting go as the triggers come, as the, like, yeah, they're there. I'll accept them and I'll let them go. And that's the kind of, you know, using your feet and your hands to land the plane type thing. Totally. You you steady it out. going to focus. And that's possible. And, um, and that's the beautiful thing about it is, is we can, we've trained our minds. Addicts have trained their minds to lust and to get lost in lust. It doesn't just automatically happen. Yes. The same can be said with focusing and being in a peaceful state in public. Right. It's possible. I think kind of going along with what you're saying, um, letting go of lust and not objectifying a person, it's not about amping up your anxiety so that you can get over the lust. It's about letting go. And so the more you obsess about not lusting, the more likely you are that you're going to fall into some lust or objectification of a person. The more you accept what is like that it, it's there i acknowledge it then you can move on right yeah so it's all about just letting go and and moving forward mm-hmm. another so, part of this that, that i think is proven healthy is is we tell guys that um it, it's perfectly healthy just like what we've said but i wanted to say this in, in a sentence it's perfectly healthy to notice someone with striking features and to move on to the next thing right and sometimes when we first talk with like a couple it's like whoa Whoa, 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 right? Because I've, a look is confused with lust. I've gotten Those emails and talked to women who have said to me, how dare you tell my sex addict husband that it's okay to be attracted to another woman? Yeah. Right? You, I, I get it. It's true. Like, guys are attracted to women, but don't tell my husband who's been looking at porn, who's been acting out with other women, that it's okay. And and I totally 100% get why where they're coming from. But we right? want them to be 
healthy in in normal life and that we're includes, trying to get them to be healthy yes. which is which is operating in reality yeah right so you get, if you can accept reality because the the addict needs to be able to be rigorously honest totally. and the only way he'll be rigorously honest is by owning who he is sexually it doesn't just he can't just shut it totally completely off mm-hmm. right totally. so he'll never rebuild trust with her if he just goes into, yeah, I, I never lust after any woman or look at any woman ever. Right? Which is just absurd, nor Which, is that reality. in my head, just breeds more of the same. Yeah. Like dishonesty and the secrets. Disconnection, and, right. shame for Resentment. him. Resentment. Yeah. So in, that, in the mall, when um, you were walking up behind me and that girl. Booty shorts. Yes. Like <laughs> legit. Like, like, like cheeks hanging out the bottom of the shorts. <laughs> walked by me. And you saw her before I saw her. And then she left, like walked past me. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then you were like three seconds on her heels before you were in front of me. Yeah. What did you think when I said, oh my gosh, can you believe that? Yeah. It wasn't um, like a... A big deal? No. I mean, Mm -hmm. we're... We're in a place that was years after recovery. I think in... Indeed, to be fair. When we were in the thick of it, it would have been, I shut down and I'm mean. But had I but answered... in that moment, it was just like we giggled about it. Like, well, how did we not see that? Yeah. Like, of course, we both saw that and we acknowledged it and we moved on. So here's the thing with couples is the, the wife cannot get the husband to not lust. She can't. She can try. She can cover his eyes and, and you know... Never con- go anywhere. Control the way... Yeah, never, never go to Disneyland. Never go to the beach. She can try those only things. Only go skiing, right? She can't get... Yeah, <laughs> only go skiing. <laughs> Um, she can't get him to not lust. Yeah. That's on him. So if he wants to work his recovery and be faithful to her, then he does that and he builds that trust. Yeah. Um, the husband can't get his wife to to stop comparing and, and not being an anxiety about who she is. Mm-hmm. But both parties can support each other in feeling safe. Right? Yeah. So both parties can empathize, hold space for how uncomfortable they are, listen so instead of instead of answering, yes, I am lusting, or no, I'm not lusting, you can stop and say, whoa, like, what are you feeling right now? I care about you. Mm-hmm. Let's process this. I'm here to help you process this. See, I think that conversation right there is the, is the key one moving forward. So if you're saying, okay, what's the takeaway from this from this podcast, from this episode? I would say have, have the conversation, um, just the two of you alone at home, so that way you guys can create a procedure if someone with striking features walks by, then you can decide before you're in that situation and you're all emotionally charged what the procedure is going to be. That's a great idea. And yeah. that way it's understood and it's okay to say, all right, I'm feeling for if, if the, if the wife says to the, to, to the husband, oh my gosh, did you see that? That's very different than, oh my gosh, did you see that? Right. Yeah. Those are right. very different. Well, and here's my yes. take on this. We lived when you're in the thick of it, living in the weeds, you don't talk about the elephant in the room. Right. So why on earth, if you're working recovery, would you continue to not talk about the thing, right? That's interesting. Like you have to acknowledge those yeah. things that pop up. And the more you do it, the easier it becomes. And it's not this taboo and icky thing anymore. It's just, okay, well, we're, we're making progress. We're moving forward. And right. that's, I feel like, where things really changed for us is we started being honest and mm-hmm. talking about the things we didn't want to talk about. Totally. Right. So rather than an accusatory question in public, the, the, the predetermined and decided question is, is 
wow, did you see that? So that way it gives it's it's an open door so that both parties can answer honestly without judgment either. Right. But ideally you get to a place where, you know, if me and Jenny went to to the beach mm-hmm. and she and there was women in bikinis and that we could both recognize, yeah, there's there's lust triggers here. Mm-hmm. But she trusts me and she she doesn't have to like she's not in anxiety and she's just like, yeah, for sure. You know, Brandon's good. Like we're fine. We're enjoying the beach. Totally. That's a, that's a healthy relationship. Totally. Right. Totally. Is. But so, so it's not that you have to discuss every last thing. It's like, I just trust the other person. But if the other person does ask you, it's a, it's an awesome conversation where you can talk about it. You can be open. You can hold that space. Mm-hmm. Um, then it creates connection if one of the other people are triggered yep. in that moment. And that connection so, can facilitate turning what is an emotionally charged anxiety filled moment around and just letting it go. Right. So both of you can be present. Yeah. I think ideally the whole idea of being in recovery and making this a lifestyle change is that anything like this is just part of life and it's no longer this big hurdle to jump. Right. Right. That's becoming healthy is to live a really normal life. So the way you get there, you guys, because I'm sure there's some women listening, thinking, yeah, if only, right? right totally. Like it, that's not how it is for us. So the way you get there is for each person to work on um, their self worth, um, for the guy to work on rigorous honesty and rebuilding that trust in the relationship, and for the woman to work on her own shame and her own acceptance of herself and believing that she's beautiful. And and when when you each do your own work, then you're not going to be triggered by each other um, when you go out into the real world, right? Heck that's yeah. totally us, huh? So that's awesome. This has been a super, I think a super cool, but deeply complex like episode. Hopefully it wasn't too awkward. I know. No, no, no. It wasn't too awkward. I mean, we've had way awkward conversations here in this room. Three episodes ago. Exactly. Three episodes ago. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I don't know guys, thanks for being here with us. And, uh, again, Ashlyn, what do they need to do if they like this? Oh, go subscribe if you haven't already and leave a review on iTunes. Super easy. Um, yeah, we just appreciate you guys being here. And check out our Facebook page if you haven't. We got good content there as well. Totally good so content Brandon's there. Brandon's there. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Peace out. Have a good one.